I'm a killer. A murdering bastard, you know that? And there are consequences to breaking the heart of a murdering bastard. Did you see that, Zack? Claire is a crisp spring morning. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Screaming Through the Ages. Now, for this one, I've got a guest here who is going to talk about all things retro video games. And on here, I was introduced to this person by Victor Rodriguez, who um, you know I am on Horror Movie Podcast with as well. And uh, this is Joseph Wilkie. And uh, Joseph, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I was very excited to hear that you were into horror gaming and older horror gaming, and I'm just fascinated by the topic, so I can't wait to see where we go with this. I'm glad that I finally found someone willing to listen to me talk about this. <laughs> whenever course. I try to like bring this up with friends or whatever, right? they're always just like, that's so cool. Yeah, how's work going? <laughs> I can... Um... I can almost relate in a, just in gaming in general. If I want, if I'm trying to talk to anyone about that, they just tune out. So I'm absolutely with you. <laughs> but um, why don't you give us a little um, introduction? I know that you run your own podcast, right? Yeah, I am the co-host of Spooky School. So that is a weekly podcast where I have my co-host, Jimmy. He is very new to the world of horror. So every week I assign him a brand new movie to watch. Our seasons are cut up into what we call semesters, so every semester has a theme. Right now, we're recording our third semester on zombie movies. Yeah, and I am saying before the call, you know, I love this concept of taking someone who has no real experience and um, putting them into this, and especially since you're doing <laughs> treating it like school, doing semesters and everything like that. That's That's awesome, and I can't wait to check that out, but... Why don't you, uh, how did you get started in gaming, I guess? Maybe what was your your first console you remember playing? How did you get into the, in gaming in general, and then kind of the horror scene as well? I was very spoiled growing up as a kid. Um, no real way to sugarcoat that. So I was born, and my dad just had all these consoles kind of laying around. So I grew up with a Genesis, an NES, and a Super Nintendo. It just in the house, ready to go whenever, right? And that has just been such a, a core staple of a hobby of mine. It's just when I want to kill some time or do whatever, play a video game. I would say it probably wasn't around or until 
Resident Evil 4 came out that I got really into horror games. And this is the original when it first came out on GameCube, not the mm-hmm. remake that just came out, right? Right, right. <laughs> the very first horror game I ever played was an Xbox game called The Thing that was a sequel to John Carpenter's movie. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. I haven't played it, but um, Resident when, Evil 4... Oh, go ahead. When I say I played it, I mean I got to the very first monster, and I thought <laughs> I was actually going to die, so I had to turn it off. Uh, I've had similar experiences, but I, I think we share... Resident Evil 4 was the first horror game I really remember getting into and loving. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just a special game. And the remake, I mean really good as well i think it improved have you gotten a chance to play it at all it's uh yeah 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 i played it earlier this year i was um very excited to have two of my favorite horror games uh remade this year one maybe oh yeah the dead space remake two is incredible yeah yeah i loved both of those and um they're two we've got all you know all these new things coming out this year and those are still two of my favorites that i've played so far but yeah, what year is it again? Where we're playing Resident Evil Four in Dead Space? Exactly. <laughs> it's like we're in a time machine, and we've of course got a new Final Fantasy and all. Baldur's Gate. That's <laughs> that's a throwback as well. But yeah, all right, it's a it's a buffet. There's just too much to select right now. It's kind of hard to keep track with all these titles. Oh, there is, and it's just about prior- prioritizing what you can get to and what you can't. But exactly, yeah, yeah, I. I grew up, we had a Genesis growing up, so that's what um, I had for the longest time and then, you know, got into PlayStation uh, with PlayStation 1 and then uh, pretty much PlayStation until 360 came out and I've I've owned every PlayStation console, but not, uh, PS3 took me a little bit. That was a little pricey. Especially when it first came out too, with its like $800 price tag or whatever, that was a bit much. Yeah, I think I got it at the um, when they did the first like redesign of it. So not the not the late life cycle one where it had like the disc tray that popped open on top or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, I am convinced my family really tried to get me out of video games at a young age because they saw how into it I was. Right. And so Christmas of 96, I get a PlayStation one. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am convinced that my parents conspired to just get me the worst games that they could possibly find so that way i wouldn't have any fun playing it and go play outside like a normal kid so i i didn't really like grow up playing a lot of these titles i did kind of have a period in my 20s where i got more into retro gaming because i just found it more fun than the current landscape right Mm mm-hmm And from there, I was able to go back and rediscover a lot of these amazing titles. And pretty much ever since then, retro gaming has just been a huge passion of mine. That's awesome. It's very um, I'm curious what games you got for PlayStation, because I remember when I got when we got our PlayStation one, we got the Grinch game with it. Oh, my God. Tie in game. And and that's a. That's the movie. I I don't know if we got anything else, but I specifically remember getting that one. We might have got a sports game or something, too. But yeah, it it wasn't great. Yeah, I had like a WCW Thunder, which is just one of the it's one of the most critically uh, panned horrible wrestling games that you could possibly get. Yeah. So it wasn't until later on in life that I just discovered this amazing like underbelly of uh, horror games that came out and. I'm glad that you brought up the PlayStation, right? Because mm-hmm. as horror games, I really feel have been around pretty much since 
the conception of gaming in general, right? You can find horror games on the Atari 2600, which even though it was just like a pair of eyeballs going across the screen, you can tell the developers still tried. Right, yeah. And then we go into later titles like Castlevania and Splatterhouse, where even though they're more action games, right? But they have like this cool mm -hmm. horror coat of paint on them. So they look spooky, but it's not meant to be scary because you're meant to be the terror in both of those games. You're supposed to go in there, kick all the ass, and then save the girl at the end, right? Yes, absolutely. But then when the PS1 came out, this to me is the defining era of horror games because it all started with Resident Evil. And that was the first mainstream horror game or at least I should say the first horror game to really take off in the mainstream and become a commercial seller. And it also proved that these kind of like video games are a great medium for horror. Resident Evil was scary when it first came out. Right now, when we look back at that original title, we kind of make fun of it for its quirks. But back then, the atmosphere, the tension, the dread, the jump scares, all of that was completely unmatched from a home console experience. Yeah, like the dialogue's very cheesy, the writing not not great, but honestly going back, it's still it's still tense to play it. And I'm I'm curious how you and not to interrupt you here, but how you kind of got into or because you didn't really grow up necessarily with the tank control system that would be known for the PS1 survival horrors. So how how did you kind of get yourself into that and was it just at first you were able to pick it up and go with it or yeah, so Resident Evil 4 comes out, and I am hooked. I love that game. I play it all the time. It has tank-ish controls, but not in the right. traditional Resident Evil tank control kind of scheme, right? Yeah, you can't move and shoot. So I went yep. from uh, that to the uh, Resident Evil remake that was out on GameCube at the time, and that uh, not only scared the shit out of me, but was one of the best games I had ever played ever at that time. And I'm one of those people to where, like, if I get into a franchise or if I get into a band or if I get into like a series of games, I try to hunt down everything that they've ever released ever. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was lucky enough that during this time, all the other Resident Evil games were also available on GameCube. And I thought that all of them had also had been remade. So I went to my local GameStop. I got a used copy of Resident Evil 2 on the GameCube for <laughs> I think maybe $20. Mm -hmm. And I should have kept it because that game now goes for like 190 bucks, I think. But I get home and I pop it into the GameCube thinking it's going to be just as graphically impressive as the remake, right? And it's just a port of the PS1 game. I'm a little disappointed. I'm thinking, oh no, this is going to be so lame. It doesn't look as good. And not even 10 minutes in, I am horrified by what's playing, like trying to get through and survive just the opening chapter of that game. Oh, yeah. You even get to the police station. Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Back to it at first. <laughs> and that that to me kind of helped, I think, create not only my love of horror games, but also a love of retro gaming, because the the cinematic language of horror still exists in that PS2 or that sorry, that PS1 version of resident evil 2 it's still a terrifying atmospheric scary game for sure yeah i never i never thought about that because they they were just ports on the gamecube of two and three at least and then 
what natively they would have had the remake, which is an excellent game. Like you said, that's yeah. Resident Evil one remake. I mean, before they got into remaking a lot more of their games, that's that's an excellent game. And I was hooked on that one. And it's so great to be able to go in and play through it twice as, you know, the different characters to get different, um, you know, whether it's however many inventory slots you have or getting the lock pick and all that. But yeah, yeah, that's inter- that's a very that's so funny that you got into Resident Evil 2 that way. And Resident Evil 2 has a mechanic in it as well that I'm kind of shocked didn't really take off because the most interesting part of Resident Evil 2's mechanics is um, when you unlock the A and B scenario for both characters, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. What you do in one scenario affects what happens in another scenario. Even if it's just like a really simple choice of should I take this item or save it for the other character? And then when you're in there later, if you were greedy at the beginning, you now have two less items to pick from. Yeah, that's pretty uh, that's pretty revolutionary, honestly. And I think you're right. I don't think a lot of games followed that. But and they tried to do it was a little bit different when they did it with the Resident Evil 2 remake. But yeah, just the the fact of like you could leave ammo and herbs and everything else there for the the next player is just that's that's next level stuff, I feel like, for the PS1. It's next level stuff for the PS1, and it's a, I don't want to say like disappointing or whatever. I just think the potential of that game mechanic could have with other titles, and it doesn't even need to be like a horror game, right? Mm-hmm. But it would just be cool to see that get fleshed out, especially with what we have with modern technology, where you can pretty much just do whatever you feel like. Yeah, I feel like there's certain things in games that just don't catch on for whatever reason. Like some things are trends, and every game under the sun is trying to copy it. And then other things like this that seem like a pretty cool mechanic just kind of, you know, get thrown by the wayside. So I'm with you. That would be really cool to see this in more in modern games. Then again, I guess that is what makes Resident Evil 2 such a special title. But when I think of like the big titles, right, of uh, retro games, there's Resident Evil's obvious, the number one pick for most people. Mm-hmm. And then... I think if I'm going to recommend anybody play a horror game or at least a retro horror game, the number one is going to be Silent Hill, because that to me is the first of all, it's like the PlayStation one experience for me, at least the way that the 3D models, everything in that game's 3D modeled, but it's not really uh, textured properly. So everything's just warping oh, back yeah. and forth. <laughs> That is so unique to the PlayStation 1. And uh, it's just like, it's a style that's still being emulated to this day by like modern indie developers, right? Mm -hmm. But you get that look. You also get the old school experience of these uh, tank controls. And it's still a very impressive game, not just for what they pulled off technically, but it's still pretty terrifying. The atmosphere in that is unmatched to pretty much anything else that's on the PS1. Mm-hmm. and uh i'm pretty sure like if you're like me and you like to have physical copies of your games it's uh, gonna be a task to get a copy of but there's digital yeah. ways of getting it i'm pretty sure yeah i think you can at least get it i know it was on the ps3 i think is a ps1 classic or something like that yeah but i i had a similar you mentioned um your experience with the Resident Evil 2 copy that you sold. I had a similar experience with Silent Hill 2 where I had, you know, bought that for like 20 bucks. And I think now that goes for 100 bucks or so online. So it's I think 
the Silent Hill franchise isn't very readily available in physical copies. This is this is why I think time travel isn't hasn't been invented in the future, because <laughs> if I had known right as soon as I'm going to pack that into a bag and go to GameStop, a portal would have opened and there's like hobo me from the future going, no, keep it. <laughs> this is the one that breaks you if you. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's and I guess we didn't talk about. So you're a big, big proponent of physical games and owning them physically or if you can manage it. Yeah, I like to just own the things that should be mine. There's, uh, you know, if you happen to just be on a website and acquire a copy of something and then save it in a nice, secure place, then uh, more power to you, especially if that company's not selling it. Yeah, no, I get that. So it doesn't seem like you're maybe... um a collector i know i've seen these videos and stuff everyone trying to complete like ps1 ps2 collections things like that and i know i don't do that personally i the ps2 and ps1 games i own are ones that i really like and care about but it sounds like you're more in that camp as well yeah i'd have to win the lottery if i want to get like a complete <laughs> ps1 collection and even I don't then know how these people do it <laughs> Even then, like, I, if I'm buying a game, it's because I want to play it, not because I want to have it on a shelf, right? Exactly, exactly. I get that if you're, like, a real hardcore collector and that means something to you, go for it. But to me, it is, I want this game because I want to own it. I want to be able to play it whenever I feel like playing it. Uh, I don't want to risk having to wait for, like, a download or being in an area with no internet at all. All I got to do is put a disc in a system and then the game works. Yep. It's very simple, and I operate that same way. And I, I don't need, you know, a copy of Barbie's Equestrian Adventure or something like that to complete my my PS2 collection. But uh, I'm sorry, I got us off track here. We were uh, you were talking Silent Hill. I need a copy of that to pl- uh, complete my soul. <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to be complete without Barbie's that's, Equestrian Adventure? That's going to be the thing that brings it all together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Silent Hill started on the PS1. That to me is like, out of all of the, if you're even kind of curious about retro horror and you just want to get like sucked into a title, that one is the one to go to. I think it's a lot scarier than Resident Evil. Uh, there's a lot of, it's not just jump scares. It's a lot of psychological horror uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that like all the enemies that are in that game represent something you, your character just kind of, stumbles on this conspiracy that's happening in the town of silent hill and it's up to you to save the day and your daughter yeah and i think it's a lot more tense too i just remember playing silent hill and just feeling so tense the entire way through and not necessarily you know once you get the resident evil formula down it can still scare you for sure but it's less scary but i never felt comfortable i feel like playing these silent hill games it's amazing how opposite they are tone wise, because Resident Evil is so claustrophobic and you would think that would make it the scarier game with how tight it is most of the time. Right. Yeah. But Silent Hill, the wide open city, this was before GTA three, where you can just go and wander out in the streets of this town, go anywhere that you want to and have that freedom to explore. Your vision is so obscured. And whenever your radio even starts to slightly buzz a little bit, knowing that there's an enemy nearby, it just ramps up the tension that much more. Yeah, no, I agree. It's <laughs> those games are rough to get through to play. So we've talked Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I feel like those are the two big ones. 
where do you want to go next with this? Is there a particular, another series or do you want to, I know we pretty much talked about the first Silent Hill. Um, do you have anything you want to say on the other ones or do you want to move to a new series or new game in particular? Yeah. If we're going to stick with franchises here, I would say that Silent Hill two is my favorite horror game. If you're going to play it, you should definitely figure out how to get the uh, PC modded version to work. Cause I, in my opinion, that's the best way to experience it. Yeah. From what I hear and I, I've only played the PS2 version, but I, from what I hear, the PS3 ports or upgrades weren't. Um... We don't talk about that. That never happened. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't, that never happened. That never came out. That was never a thing. So it was just only on PS2. And then luckily there was a PC port. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the case most times with a lot of these older games. If they're going to get an upgrade, the PC is going to be the way to go. Like you said, with yeah. mods and everything like that. Yeah, there is just a dedicated modding community to bring that game up to modern standards. And like, if I were to just take a screenshot of the 4K modded version of Silent Hill 2 and tell you this is a like a game that came out a few years ago, you'd believe me. Yeah, I love that when you can when you can play one of those that are like that, that's had that much care and time put into it. But yeah, so I've played I've played Silent Hill and I've played Silent Hill 2, but I haven't played. I don't think any others in the series past that have you are you a big fan of the rest of the series or are those kind of the two for you yes and no i'm a big fan of the series so uh, my love for the series ends at four okay to me silent hill is a thing that was made by a group of creative geniuses over at team silent silent hill one two three and four are some of the best horror games of all time you can pick up any of those play those all of them have central themes but play so wildly different especially four I think four gets a little bit of a bad rep online just because of how experimental it was, but it is an incredibly, it is an incredible game and a very intense horror game too. The ones that came out after that are not that great. So I have <laughs> skipped those. I know that there's a remake coming out of two. It looks faithful to the original. So I have somewhat high hopes for it. I will judge the game when it comes out. Yeah. Fingers crossed on that one. That one's done by, um, Bloober team. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm remembering right. And I've been, you know, up and down on Bloober Team. So we'll we'll see if they can they can do it justice. And that would be great to have a, a good working port of that on modern consoles, I would say. And with upgrades, probably, too. But like you said, it's all about keeping in the spirit of the original with those. We'll see. There's a really sick part of my brain that hopes that they just totally, like, mess with the story. Because I know how mad the internet would get at that. And I just think it would be really <laughs> funny. Well, I... I kind of like having the surprises. I mean, the Resident Evil games have stayed somewhat faithful when they're being remade, but there's still some new twists and turns in there. And I, I kind of like that because you can always play the original if you want to. You don't have to have a complete beat for beat remake. But yeah, that's just my opinion. I I go back and forth. I really like the remake of Resident Evil 2, but I'm yeah. looking at the remake series as a whole, excluding the remake for the first one. And to me, the remakes of two, three and four almost feel like they took the original games that put them in like a like a bread shaker. You know what I'm talking about, where you get all the crumbs yeah. out? Yes. Yep. And so they kind of just took out everything that made those titles unique until all that's left are like these three kind of like enormous blobs that all play and look almost identical. So a lot of what made those titles to begin with so original and charming are now gone and the uh, just to kind of streamline the whole process there. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely get what you're saying. And especially because those games play so different from each other. And I, I know three had a lot cut out of that as well. Even my like distant memories of three playing a long time ago, I could tell that there were things missing. But yeah, like three, three is a unique one. And not just like they had uh, it's not just that they cut out like a few bosses, right? I can live with that. Right. But there was uh, times where in the original of three, it's up to you to make a choice. And I felt like that's just such a core gameplay mechanic of that game. And that's what made it stand out. And that's what made it unique from all the other Resident Evil titles on the PS1. Whereas now the th- uh, the remake comes out, that option is just completely removed. And again, it just feels like it's to, to just kind of to streamline these games and make them all play and feel the same. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely get what you're saying. And I uh, one of the biggest problems I had with three were probably some of the uh, the Carlos sections. One particular in a, in a lobby of a hospital was pretty infuriating. Uh, to yeah, me. I was just going to say it's probably the hospital lobby, right? Yeah, I had to play that over and over again before I got that. And that didn't feel very Resident Evil to me, honestly. But what do I know? I, we could do a whole podcast on the <laughs> ups and downs of the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, absolutely. We could talk about zero and the item swapping. And uh oh, you didn't like zero. No, no, no. I don't have any problems with zero. OK, or wait, 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 fight you. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any problems with zero at all. I just know that mechanic is not one of my my favorites, but I think it's a it's a really fun and honestly unique game. I I don't know if there's a Resident Evil parts of six for sure. Six is not my favorite, but yeah, I don't talk but, about five and six. Those are yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah five's, five's okay. Six is six is bad. I need to replay five and give it like a real shot. I only yeah. played it when it first came out and I hated it because I was expecting Resident <laughs> Evil 4 2. And at the time for me, Resident Evil 4 was like the greatest game ever made. So I need to go back and give that one a chance. Uh, Resident Evil 6 w- was hysterical. That was one of the funniest games I have ever played. Did you get to the part where the guy turns into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and then morphs <laughs> back into a human? That that story is ridiculous. And honestly, I started with the Leon campaign in that one. And I was thinking, you know, this isn't bad. Um, you're going through a school. It's kind of got a creepy vibe. And then as you keep going that game, it's you get to the other campaigns and those are those are bad. And it's not just like a bad story and bad moments. There's like, uh, there's one moment where you're traveling in the snow and I was just lost for (laughs) for so long. Like this is just bad design, but yeah, uh, my biggest problem with five other than, you know, how it took the series more action is if you're trying to play it by yourself, it's very hard because I played it co-op when it came out with, I played it a couple times with different people co-op and that works. But when you're trying to play as I think it, Chris is the only person you can play with until you beat the game once. And, uh, Sheva does not hold her own in that. <laughs> so nope. it's, yeah, it's almost like that game was designed to be co-op only. So that way you had to buy two copies. Oh yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. That's if you don't play that in co-op, that's, it's a very hard game. Yeah, like you said, we could talk, sit here and talk about Resident Evil for a long time, but I think six is the one, the only one I really hate that I've played so far. But I think I think of six the same way I think of like a really funny, bad horror movie. 
Like, I don't play it to have fun. I play it to laugh at it and to show my friends so they can laugh at it, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That's <laughs> and you're for sure going to get some of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we're completely off here. What do you what do you want to move to next? What uh, what game or series do you want to move to or talk? Have you ever about? played uh, Parasite Eve? <sighs> yes. So I played it briefly through the um, through the PS1 classics on PS3. Um, I did play a little bit of the first Parasite Eve. I haven't played the two sequels, but I did play the first. Uh, according to sales report, nobody else played the two sequels either. So you're <laughs> fine on that one. Uh, Parasite Eve is. Can you imagine this flying today with how corporatized our gaming market is right now? OK. Parasite Eve is a sequel to a novel. That didn't come out in America until after the game got popular. Which I find super interesting. Have you uh, read the book or? Uh... No, no, I've never read the book. I, I think I knew that it was based on a novel, but no, I never I never went and checked it out. The book is one of my favorite horror novels of all time. It is terrifying because the sole concept of the book is your own body just betrays you just because. And it, the game itself is a hybrid of a survival horror JRPG, which were like the two most popular genres on the PS1 for sure. Yeah. So it's like uh, saying that out loud, it sounds almost kind of, I don't want to say wrong, but it sounds like it's a hard sell, right? Like JRPG yeah. survival horror game. Turns out that is peanut butter and jelly. It was so fun going through that. It works perfectly. And uh, I, you got to at least... If you're not going to play it, you need to at least watch the cutscenes that are in that game because it is some of the most deranged, disgusting body horror I have ever seen, not just in games in general. And I'm a huge Junji Ito fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like uh, body horror is definitely like my thing. So seeing those cutscenes for like the very first time, I, I felt like I had seen everything at this point, but I was still genuinely shocked by how gruesome the cutscenes in that game are. Yeah, absolutely. And this one was by um, Square did this one, right? Yep. I need to I need to go back to that one because I only played it's been years now, but I only played a little bit of it. And I've seen some videos of some of the early story and uh, that that game seems insane. <laughs> it is very fun. I'm a I'm a huge JRPG guy as well. So turn-based combat and all that stuff is very fun for me. The combat system in this one is more active than it is passive. And it's just, it's, I know like games nowadays, especially during like the PS3 and 360 era, we're really going for like cinematic games, right? That was a huge buzzword term that was around back yes. then. This is like a game that actually does feel like a movie and not just a movie, but like a really good like 90s buddy cop film. <laughs> because like the uh the way that like the i mean they're basically sets like the police station that you would get to go interact in and everything it looks and feels lived in but also at the same time like a really good movie set if that makes any sense at all uh it's a great game you should definitely play it if you haven't go back and check that one out yeah no that makes total sense and i i do parasite eve is always one of the ones that i was was fascinated by i think my first introduction to that was the game the third game in the series the third birthday um, oh no coming did out you play that one i oh, did no, not that, play it no okay. that was 
was that PSP? I think so. Yeah. Exclusive. Yeah. No, I didn't play that, but I saw a, a preview of it or something. I was like, what is this? And then I looked deeper into it and I was like, oh, this is part of a series. I don't know why this game's called this. It, is that the one where like the clothes come off as you play the game or something like that? I have or as you get more. I've watched a bunch of videos about it and how it basically is a not faithful to like the JRPG combat whatsoever. It's just a yeah. very generic, very poorly done third person shooter. No, I haven't played that. The first one is the only one I've played any part of, but that was my introduction into the knowing about the series. The first one is incredible. The second one is not the best, but still worth playing. And then just give up after that. You don't need even need to think about the third birthday. <laughs> and I mean, there's yeah, they didn't name it after the series either. So, um, yeah, just don't. It's very easy to just forget, I guess. <laughs> Square forgot about it because there hasn't been a Parasite Eve game ever since, so. No, no. And even that was, I think, a long gap between two and that one. But what about we're talking about? Um, and sorry, did you have anything else you want to talk about on Parasite Eve? Definitely play that one if you haven't. A high recommendation. It's a high recommendation. Are you familiar at all with like the uh, what are those called? The iceberg memes? No, I don't think so. It's like a picture of an iceberg and the tip of an iceberg always has like the more well-known established, like whatever on whatever subject. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then you go down a tier and go down a tier until you're at the very bottom of the iceberg with the more like obscure information. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely put Silent Hill and Resident Evil at the very tip of the iceberg. Pretty much everybody who's into horror has definitely heard of those two franchises. Right. And then Parasite Eve is just like, Hey, if you like these games, you should definitely check out like Parasite Eve or Dino Crisis. When Resident Evil kind of broke the mold and sold a bajillion copies, I think every studio said, hey, let's make a scary game, too. Yeah, but you you mentioned the other series that I was going to jump to, and that is Dino Crisis. Hell yeah. You've played Dino Crisis before, right? I have played the original Dino Crisis. Yep. I uh, I like that game a lot. It is. It's fun to put on for like a night. And just kind of breeze through it. I remember it being very, very short and just easy to pick up and play and get through. This was also a time, too, where, like, if you've noticed, a majority of the games that we have brought up, the main characters and the playable characters of them are all women. Yeah, yeah. What is it, Regina in this one? Yep. Yeah, that's... This one This one terrified me as... um a younger gamer. Now I, I like you didn't have a whole lot at home when I was playing games, but when I went to my friend's house in in middle school, I distinctly remember this one. And I distinctly remember like metal gear solid and playing through those ones. But this one just terrified me as a middle school aged kid playing through it. I think that's just the shared human experience of if something is chasing you very fast, you're going to be terrified. Yeah. But this one kind of goes into what you were saying that they're, I remember there being some pretty cinematic moments and stuff, especially that opening of this one. But yeah, Dino Crisis is definitely one I wish they would go back to at some point. But I I feel like that one's just <laughs> been forgotten by Capcom. Well, I also feel like um, I've heard so many rumors about there being some sort of Dino Crisis, either remake or reimagining coming out soon that I've just stopped giving getting my hopes up. Yeah. 
So whenever something like that either gets rumored or announced, I'm just kind of like, oh, here we go again. I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, and that's me with the rumor, which they, I mean, they did a a remaster or whatever of uh, Onimusha, and uh, that's digging pretty deep too. So, and I've heard rumors forever of that that they're going to do a new one. But um, did you see what got announced today? No, I didn't. There is in today got announced. There is a how do I pronounce it? Ominusha? Onimusha, yeah. Onimusha anime directed by Takeshi Mike. Oh, yes, I did. You know, I saw something like that um, on a headline. I did not know he was directing it, though. This is only what his 300th project that he's directed now. <laughs> oh, that that dude is interesting that he's got a, you know, makes everything from these off the wall, um, bloody horror films to like a family film. Yeah, um, which I know he's made, but or a Jojo's Bizarre Adventure live action adaptation. Oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that he was the one that did that. <laughs> Out of all the that... people to attempt that, I'm I'm just glad that it was him. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty. I, that's very interesting. I'm um, I'm very interested in that. That <laughs> that's made my night right there. But as someone who's played you know, a few games in this series and really liked them. I was hoping for a new game, but it, it, I mean, if they're doing a remaster in an anime, it seems like they're at least giving it more than they're given Dino Crisis right now. Yep. They have acknowledged its existence, which is way more than they've done for Dino Crisis. That's true. It was, uh, did you, um, were you following when they announced the, uh, the Exo Primal game? Yeah, and then a bunch of people were like, oh my god, is this a dino crisis? And then Capcom had to make like some sort of statement going, no, stop getting your no, hopes up. Not. We hate that franchise <laughs> and we hate you. Yeah, I was, I thought for a minute, I think, there that it was. And then you see all these dinosaurs pouring out of the sky and you're like, this isn't, this isn't dino crisis. So it should be. I feel like if it started raining dinosaurs, that would be a crisis. That would, that would be a dino crisis. It would be a dino crisis by definition. Yeah, did you play three at all? I did not. I okay. heard the reputation that three has. Yeah, and I only have so much time on this earth, so I yeah, skipped exactly. That one <laughs> did you play that one? No, 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 I didn't. I don't even know if I've played two. I can't remember, but I know I for sure I've played one a couple of times. Yeah, one yeah. is incredible. Made by Shinji Mikami, the same guy who did Resident Evil, and then. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to check out two. It is okay. on the the forever growing backlog. Yeah, it don't ever end. The backlog will never end <laughs> unless they stop making games. <laughs> Are you a fan of Italian horror at all? Yes, I love Italian horror. I feel like a poser because I'm blanking on the name. Dario Argento, that's the guy. Yes. Yep. I'm guessing you love Dario Argento movies, right? I do love Dario Argento movies. When all is said and done after this podcast, you absolutely need to play Clock Tower for the PS1 then. Yeah, Clock Tower is... So is that available in the US now? Clock Tower first came out on the Super Famicom. And then we never got that, so that never came out in the US. I have a fan-made repo card for the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. So it's a fan translation. And then it's thrown onto an actual Super Nintendo card. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with that process. But so you've got it on that and that's how you play. I, yep. I've i been fascinated. Oh, go ahead. 
And then the sequel we got for the PS1. And that is one of the few games that's compatible with the PlayStation mouse. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, I forgot about the PlayStation mouse, but yeah, I've been um, so intrigued by this, this series, but I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know if the first one came and I, I get caught up in things so many times where I'm just like, I don't want to play a sequel, but Clock Tower, if I haven't played the original, but Clock Tower just looks so cool to me. And they they did announce we're getting the original for modern consoles, right? Yeah, Limited Run is doing a a modern remaster of the original. Yeah, and I'll be getting that day one for sure. It's not just a straight up port. It looks like they're kind of just uh, redoing it from the ground up and like upscaling all the gorgeous pixel art from that original title. Clock Tower, like the original for Famicom, is one of the most unique just games that you could play, especially for a console. It felt like it was made for PC, right? Just because of the way that it's supposed to play. And it's pretty interesting playing a point-and-click adventure game with a Super Nintendo controller. (laughs) Yeah. But if you haven't played that one, definitely check it out. I think if you're a huge fan of Italian cinema, that... Uh, Clock Tower for the PS1, where they were able to pull off full 3D and use it to whatever advantages they want to. Uh, Where's its love for uh, what's the how is that pronounced? Uh, Giallo. Giallo. Thank you. I'm glad that you actually know stuff. I'm just a poser here pretending. (laughs) Yeah, Giallo. um, uh, In the first 10 minutes of Clock Tower for the PS1. It gives all the exposition that happened in the first game because the developers knew that nobody played it, right? Ah, okay. And then uh, I will never forget, there's this amazing moment where this detective in his evidence room has the scissors from the first game. Obviously, the mascot of that one is Scissor Man. Mm -hmm. And then the lighting just turns bright red and starts spinning around. (laughs) fuck motivated lighting we don't need it for this scene everything's just going to turn red because we know it looks cool and we're going to have this work somehow uh i i love that i honestly can't wait to um to get into these clock tower games because i like i've said i've been fascinated by them forever i didn't know that they had a lot of giallo influence to them i mean you could probably tell with a with a killer like scissor man chasing around the (laughs) people but I yeah you've you've sold me on this I'm so excited to um check these out so you've played that version of the first one and then you played the PS1 sequel have you played I were the three or four of those I can't remember Clock Tower has four games in the title or in the series but because the first one never came out here we have Clock Tower one two and three in the U S right and three mm-hmm. is technically the fourth game. And that one's on PS2, right? Yeah, on PS2, developed by Capcom, because at that point, they'd pretty much Uh, sold off the rights to uh, Clock Tower, since it wasn't that well uh, good selling of a series. And Clock Tower 3 was pretty much the death nail in that franchise, because not only Clock Tower fans didn't want to play it, because it didn't play anything like Clock Tower, and nobody else wanted to play it, because it was a horror game not called Resident Evil 4 at the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. No, seriously, I'm you've completely sold me on these these clock tower games. I've always like I said, I've always been curious, but um, I'm definitely going to be checking those out. Those are going to shoot to the top of my list for when 
when I can get to those ones. But uh, is there a is there an easy way to get to the PS one version one, or is that kind of is that the one there? They're the remaster they're doing. That's the very original one, like the the Japanese one, right? Yeah. So that's the very first one for the Super Famicom. Okay. Yep. And then the uh, the PS one version is there. Do you have like the the PS one disc for that one? I don't. I wish I was that rich. <laughs> but uh, I would I would never condone piracy. Oh, okay. I would never suggest that you would download right. an app called Duck Station for your computer where you can emulate <laughs> PS4 or PS1 games in 4K on a toaster. I think that's wrong. It's illegal for a reason. Yeah. I would sure. never risk your platform by suggesting somebody go Google Duck Station and then download it on their computer or Android device. <laughs> Along with the list of ROMs. And then also, DuckStation has built-in PS1 mouse compatible, so you could play it with your computer mouse. I think that's just wrong. I, I, I could never, yeah. No, I would never do that. I've never done that before, for sure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I, I need to check those ones out. That seems like one I definitely need to dive into. They are a very interesting, a very interesting, diverse series. Not only does every game in the series play very differently from each other, they play differently from any horror game you will ever play. I miss that the most about retro games, where with Clock Tower, it's so specific as to how it plays, and that's the only franchise I can think of that plays like that. Yeah, where now we kind of get two different types of horror games. You get the big budget ones that play a certain way, and you get the indie games that play a certain way, and that's about it. So I, I absolutely get what you're saying. But yeah, I've, you know, if nothing else, I'm coming away from this wanting to replay Dino Crisis and wanting to get into Clock Tower. So you've sold me on those at least. I'm glad that I could be an evangelical on this because uh, <laughs> that is my goal. I want people to know more about these and get these to get played and have a demand for them. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Um Especially with that uh, remastered version coming out, if that does well, you know, with all things, they're doing this for a reason, a limited run. Uh, maybe I don't know if somebody sees that limited run successful with it, I'm sure they can they can do something with it. But does limited run have the rights to that stuff or do they just doing it for someone else? I'm not sure uh, rights wise, I think because I know that they're just a publisher. Or no, that's not even true anymore. They have like an in-house development team. and they uh, Yeah, I think they started that recently. announced yeah. all those retro games that they're going to be putting out. And yeah. Uh, either way, if you support this stuff and show that you support it, then I think honestly for the uh, horror game lovers in this audience, I know a lot of people who are really fond of Giallos and Italian cinema. So I think that's a big selling point. Again, like if you even kind of like it, the influence is just worn on its sleeve. The main character of that game, Jennifer, is based directly on a, a character from, uh, I forget which one, but it's one of the many uh, D'Argento movies that's out there. It's the, okay, I'm just going to look this up since I don't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, phenomena, which I will. Okay, I was wondering that because Jennifer God, that movie is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> I love that film where <laughs> she walks it in the room and the baby's in the corner and she's like, "Oh my God, you're a little baby!" And it turns around, it's this like snaggle tooth monster. <laughs> <laughs> that that movie is off the rails. I've um, 
talked about this one a couple of times on podcasts somehow recently it's come up, but um, I think it came up on a 1985 episode and one that we did on uh, primate horror. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's a crazy one. If you say that it's based somewhat on that, that's yeah, that's good news for me at least. <laughs> By somewhat, I mean completely ripped off. The character design is uh, directly lifted from that movie. And, of course, we get a maniac with scissors chasing you throughout the house. Yeah, I'm all about that. Okay, so what else? uh, What's the next game on your list? What do you want to talk about next? I mainly want to talk about the, like, a series, pretty much, of games here to recommend that even though they weren't breakout hits... When they first came out, they're definitely getting a resurgence of people going back and rediscovering these titles. One of my favorites that never gets talked about anymore, I don't think anybody even remembers it, is a game called Echo Knight. Hmm. This was developed by From Software before they got huge for Dark Souls. Yeah. And it is a first-person, fully 3D environment exploration game. You... uh your character is basically taken uh, back in time and you're, you have to do little tasks for all these ghosts, but it's one of these games where you have to play it in order to just experience it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so impressive how they were able to pull off full 3d environments that were fully explorable on such limited hardware for the time while telling such an elaborate story. And being able to pull off a lot of horror with no jump scares, all atmosphere. I mean, that sounds like at least modern day from software's specialty, right? Is atmosphere. Oh, yeah. And I so I've heard of these titles. I couldn't tell you anything about them. I think there's two of them, right? Or there were two on PS1. I think so. I know okay. for sure that there is at least one on the PS2. So it got okay. a sequel. And I'm pretty sure like. I think what it is, again, just going off the top of my head here, I could be wrong. I would be professional in fact check, but there's no fun in that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there's Echo Knight that came out in the US, and that was a flop. And then mm-hmm. Echo Knight 2 was only in Japan on the PS1. Oh, okay. And then we got a, another Echo Knight on the PS2. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That I mean, From Software was a... I feel like people, a lot of people didn't, when the Souls game started taking off, didn't realize that they, because I was a, an armored core fan from back in the day. Oh man, um, you must be level six right now then, huh? I haven't even got to it yet, but I, I wasn't good at them, but I played armored core, I think like two and three a lot. And yeah, I, I can't wait to play six, but like I, we discussed earlier, I have a stack of games sitting over here waiting for me to play. And, uh, you know, children have definitely cut down on my gaming time, but you just make the excuse of playing with them and just have them watch you the whole time. You know, I'm getting there, you know, we're, we're getting there slowly. Um, you know, I got my daughter, a a PS4 game for her birthday coming up here next week. She already sits down on my lap and she gets to hold, you know, I have the PS5 controller. She holds the PS3 controller for some reason. She can't hold the Xbox One one because she says that's different than my PS5 controller because the buttons are different. But she's already a Sony fanboy. I'm proud yeah. of her. <laughs> oh, it definitely is. And she's sitting there like she's always asking, "Well, who am I? Who am I in this game?" And you're I have to make something. And you're winning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm working on that. Working on that piece right now. But that's very interesting. So it's 
you said it's first person and open world kind of not open world you're in like um it's like one of the very first levels that you're in is this cruise ship that gets abandoned right and the only thing that's left there are these spirits and it's up to you to figure out what a spirit needs in order to pass on to the other side and it's really interesting how the puzzles are they all revolve around the environment, being able to explore the environment or at least figuring like grabbing an item and then returning it back to that spirit that you just spoke with. Right. Mm -hmm. But this was one of the very first games. This was before twin, like twin stick shooting was like the uh -huh. norm. And so being able to navigate like in full first person through a full environment like that was, it must've been mind blowing when it first came out. Right. Yeah. I can, because like I was impressed by it playing it twenty odd years after the game came out, but seeing that in real time as it's actually happening when it came out must have just like nobody, like nobody must have reported on it because their head exploded, <laughs> and that's why like word of mouth on that game didn't get so uh, far spread. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you maybe, you know, maybe they tried to print it up in the magazines and it just burned the pages off because it was probably. So... <laughs> or maybe people went crazy trying to talk about it and spread the words like a Cthulhu thing or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I had heard the name, but I, like I said, I couldn't tell you anything about it before you had explained it a little bit. So, so there's that game, which I highly recommend just because it's such a, not only like a unique gaming experience, but a unique horror experience. And it's not horror in the sense of something just pops out and yells ooga booga. It's not horror in the sense that it's really bloody gross, disgusting. It's really unnerving tension that gets under your skin. And uh, there's so many times in that game I'm just walking down a dark hallway and just completely regretting every step I'm taking because I know that there's going to be something there. Yeah, it's kind of, and that's what reminds really me, gets me. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, that's what really gets me. Like, you can have jump scares, but when you're just dreading going down a hallway or dreading going around a corner or something that you don't know what's going to be there, that's that's the best kind of horror game, I feel like. Exactly, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of uh, PT, if you ever played that for PlayStation 4. Y yes, that, yeah. <laughs> I get that vibe for sure. Uh, Should have kept that on my console. <laughs> Should have. You could have sold it for a couple thousand. That seems to be the uh, theme for this, you know? Exactly. If only we had kept this stuff. But yeah, like um, it reminds me a little bit of just a very low poly PT. Okay, man, I'm ready. I'm making a list as we go through this because I need to I need to get to some of these at some point. But now, is it kind of um, as obtuse as some of their their Souls games and things are? Knowing where to go in the environments, things like that. I feel like if you have played a puzzle game before, you would be able to navigate through this like no problem. Okay. And like the game does a really good job in its intro of teaching you like how to actually navigate through an environment like the whole. The intro, like the very first chapter is a tutorial without telling you it's a tutorial. Because you go into like this burned down house and the first thing that you have to do is crouch underneath the table. You can't make any progress until you figure out which button is crouch. <laughs> And then the next thing you have to do after that is look for an item. And the only way that you can grab it is by crouching. Oh, I gotcha. So it does a really good job of teaching you the very basic mechanics of the game in the opening scene. That that sounds really cool, honestly. Yeah. And you said there's a, a pretty good story to it as well. 
Yeah, it's I forget like you you play as a main character who somebody in your family, I forget who off the top of my head passed away or is missing and you have to put together pieces of who they were and the way that that happens is that you are not only navigating this house his old house that burned down you are actually like grabbed and taken back in time to specific points in that person's life and then you have to solve puzzles to get out of that while also helping all these spirits that are trapped okay yeah that sounds very japanese and it's um in the basis of it like with the dealing with the spirits and helping them pass on and things like that. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool, honestly. <laughs> and that's echo Chrome, right? Echo Knight. Echo Knight. Why did I say echo Chrome? I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, echo Chrome echo sounds Knight. cool as fuck. Is that a game? I'm going to make that right now. <laughs> I don't know why that, uh, that one popped up, but echo Knight. Okay. So what else? What's next? What, uh, what games do you want to talk about now? Now is when we really start to hit the obscurity meter, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm going through my list here. Have you played Bloodborne for PS4? Yes. If you even kind of liked Bloodborne, you need to check out this one game from 1997 called Nightmare Creatures. There's like this false notion that just because survival horror started on the PS1, that means that every horror game that came out on the PS1 is survival horror. But Nightmare Creatures is more of an action-oriented beat-em-up than it is like a full-on survival horror game, right? It is what 3D Castlevania should have been, which is funny because Bloodborne is also what 3D Castlevania should have been. Yeah, a lot of people want From to do the next Castlevania game, but... I would be so for that, you have no idea. Or, even better, what if From Software does the next Nightmare Creatures game? Sounds good to me. I don't have any familiarity with it, but I'm I'm all for it. So talk to me about Nightmare Creatures a little bit. I love this game specifically for the gothic atmosphere that the game has, because it takes place in olden times. You go through what might as well be Yarnum, and hmm. the controls work. They feel modern-ish. It's not going to be like one of those uh, clunky tank control kind of games that I know a lot of people really aren't a fan of when it comes to old school survival horror. And it is a little bit more action oriented, so you'll be able to fly through the game pretty much no problem and be able to enjoy it. But Nightmare Creatures and Nightmare Creatures 2 are a lot of fun. The next one is a game that I rarely see anybody talk about. And whenever I look this game up, all I find are gameplay videos and I don't find anybody like doing reviews or any in-depth discussion on it. Uh, this came out in 96, the same year as Resident Evil, and it's a game called Overblood. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm very familiar with Overblood. I haven't played it. Um, I've watched I've actually watched a full playthrough of Overblood of someone playing it, but I can't remember where I had watched it, but yeah, it's been, it's been a while, but I've heard of Overblood for sure. You are like legitimately the only person I have brought this game up to and have not only heard of it, but have actually seen a playthrough of. I've yet to meet anybody else who's played it as well, but, uh, you know, watching a whole playthrough is pretty much just as good. Uh, it's, it's a, <laughs> it is a wild ride of a game. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> And it's the same year as Resident Evil, and games 
I feel like games don't take a year to just develop, especially if you... Uh... So what I'm trying to say is that it's not like... I don't, I don't want to call it a Resident Evil clone. Right. Because like the timing of it and everything, there's no way that like somebody who is in charge of Overblood saw Resident Evil and just went, oh yeah, I can do this in less than a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, just I'm... make the craziest puzzle game I could possibly come up with. Yeah, now listen, it even though dev cycles were shorter back then, they weren't that short. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to remember back, but I just remember that game being completely insane and off the wall. It is completely bonkers off the wall. The thing that stuck out to me the most was 1996. And the environments in this game are also fully 3d which Resident Evil got its distinct style because of its pre-rendered backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Whereas Overblood, the environment is not only modeled in 3D, but fully explorable in 3D, which makes a huge difference in being able to figure out like where you want to go. There was also a dedicated like camera angle button. So if you wanted to, you could play the entire game in first person. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't remember that feature. I don't know if they played with that or not, but that's... Yeah. And I think they got even more. I don't know if you've played the sequel or not, but I think I remember seeing a little bit of that one, too. And it maybe even got more with the 3D environments. They might have gotten like deeper into that. I hope there's like a revival of this because that franchise was just so bonkers. If, and if there's any game that just like needs a remake, I think it's over blood. Yep. I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm seeing, you know, the our main protagonist here with his vest on and it's polygonal glory and yeah and his little robot buddy yeah i forgot about the robot <laughs> i'll never forget spoilers for a 20 year old game but when he died i i felt something yeah no this is all flooding back to me now but i didn't i forgot about this one i didn't expect to talk about this tonight but this like you, un you unlocked something when you were talking about it I I am honestly shocked. You were like the only person I've ever met that actually <laughs> knows anything about this game. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. I want to see this one brought to the modern day. I want to see a remaster of this one. And and crazier things have happened. I mean, we've had Night Trap remastered. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I guess Sony... Night Trap was more infamous than. If Sony can get Morbius re-released in theaters, then I think we can get Overblood <laughs> remade, right? Yeah, yeah, something's got to happen. I don't, although I don't think um, River Hill Soft is still around these days. I don't know, but um, well, the rights yeah. for Overblood can't be going for that much. I'm sure. No, they've got to be out there somewhere. We can <laughs> dig through change in our couch and put the money together and buy the rights to this. <laughs> yeah, and I want to piggyback off this because there's another game that I remember being pretty crazy and i this is another one that i watched a playthrough of and that is um have you heard of galarians yes again another uh delicious peanut butter and jelly sandwich of jrpg <laughs> game mechanics mixed in with survival horror this one i i think i at some point i think i figured or found out about it because the same thing that you were talking about earlier with when you see a developer or anything that you like you want to check out more of it and crave Entertainment did one of my favorite RTSs on PC back in the day, which was Battle Realms. Oh, cool. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's very much like um, feudal Japan style. And you've got different factions and you're making like alchemist and warriors and things like that. But 
yeah, so I stumbled upon Galarians, and that's a pretty that story gets pretty out there too. I mean, they're not playing safe with that one. It is very Japanese, which is what I love about it. Yeah, it's got a lot of um, telekin or psychokinesis, something like that. A lot of brain powers going on in this one. It's like a really dark Earthbound. Yeah, I believe speaking of very Japanese, doesn't the main character have amnesia or something? If I'm remembering right, um, yeah, pretty classic Japanese sci-fi where the main character wakes up with amnesia. I'm a sucker for that so much of just like having to your main character doesn't know and you the player don't know, so you have to navigate through and figure out what's going on. That gets me every time. Yeah, and if you if you don't play these, if you can't find them anywhere, I absolutely recommend watching over Blood and Galarians being played because it's a treat. I will I will say that. Overblood's hard for me to recommend playing because it's one of those games where you have to have had some experience at least with these kind of mechanics and kind of know what you're doing a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. If you are brand new to retro gaming, to survival horror in general, then yeah, watch a playthrough of it, right? But if that's like something that sounds like it's really up your alley in terms of what you like gameplay-wise, then go for it, because that game is insane. <laughs> yes. And then uh, you brought up, um, how is that pronounced? Glu Glor Glardians? Oh, Galarians. Galarians of the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's the was... best that I can do. <laughs> there was another amazing um, JRPG horror hybrid for the PS1. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce this, so I'm just going to try it. Are you ready? We're going to yes. try this together. Kaudelka. K-O-U-D-E-L-K-A. Oh, yeah, I got I've got no idea what that. <laughs> and then if you look it up too, like on the cover itself, the logo for the game is as indecipherable as like a black metal logo. It is just not even meant to be read. You know, I've typed in the first three letters and it popped up in my search. I don't know if that's because I'm I'm looking around for <laughs> overblood and Galarians, but. Well, it's also because like the uh, Google's been listening into this whole podcast the entire time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at this one. I've never heard of this one at all. This one is pretty much every cool trope that I fall for every time. You have a really cool badass woman for your protagonist. JRPG game mechanics, survival horror gameplay mechanics as well, with the uh, fixed camera angles that Resident Evil made famous. And then, uh, of course, it takes place inside a spooky castle for a little bit of it. So it's it's getting a resurgence because I think when it first came out, it's not one of those games that were like it bombed horribly. It's just that there was so much at the time. Nobody could nobody knew it was even out. Right. Yeah. But through word of mouth and through uh, the magic of the Internet, everybody is kind of rediscovering this title and either going through it for the first time or talking about how much they love playing it when it first came out. And I use this game a lot as an example of why I love the PS1 specifically for retro horror, because just like Clock Tower, this is an experience that is completely unique to that system. Yeah, this looks like something I'd be into. I wish Sony had just like a Netflix, right? Where you just pay like <laughs> yeah. a certain amount of money and then you just get every PS1 game that you could possibly want. Because this game isn't available digitally. And then if you want to buy it, I 
over or under? How much do you want to guess? You guess, and I'll tell you how close you are. Okay, without going. This seems over. pretty obscure. I would say one eighty. Do you do you want to try again? <laughs> Five hundred. Okay, you're a little over on that one. <laughs> Just Google shopping here. The very first results. Play PS One two twenty nine ninety eight two eighty nine. Okay. I oh, we found one here for four ninety nine. So you were you you won. You know, I'm under I'm undervaluing how like what a big spike that market took. I feel like after COVID happened, like the the retro game market, I feel like just took a spike and went all the way up. And yeah, if something like Silent Hill 2 is going for 130, I should have known it was going to go for a lot more than that. But <laughs> I just want to play these games and not have to like take out a mortgage, you know, come on. I, I'm with you, too, because what they've put out for their you know, quote unquote, Netflix type service is not uh, isn't doing it. With the PS1 stuff and the PS2 stuff, but even on PS3, they got a lot of weird games on those that you could download and play, but you're never you never got like a full catalog. And I would love to see all these survival horror games just there and you just sign up for a month and try out and see what you like, but. Limited run. If you're listening to this podcast, which you totally are, please put however it's pronounced onto your make that your next big remaster. OK. Yeah, I'm going to at least check out videos of this one because this one looks pretty cool. Oh, SNK published it. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's another one for the list to at least check out because that looks that looks really cool. And then the last one is. And if you actually know this one, I'm going to just call you a liar, okay? Uh, Have you heard of the game? This is the one that is the absolute peak of the obscurity meter for me. Mizerna Falls. No, I've never heard that at all. Um, I'm guessing you've played Majora's Mask, right? Yes, it's been... Or at least you're familiar with it, right? Yes, yeah. Take the gameplay mechanic of Majora's Mask where you're on a time limit and every character has like a set schedule, but you can go back in time and do whatever you want, right? Yeah. And take that into an episode of Twin Peaks. (laughs) Okay. Now you're speaking my language. It is, again, what I love about that the most is this is the the only way this story could be told is through a video game. and. Like that to me is uh, something that's like special because there's no way this could be made into a movie. It maybe it could have been made into like a choose your own adventure book, right? Mm-hmm. But the it takes the medium of games and uh, uh, perfects it pretty much. Let me do some quick checking here because I know this game never came out in the U.S. There is an English translation for it. I'm pretty sure it came out in the U.K. Here it is, Mizerna Falls, Country of the Woods and Repose. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so the game never came out in English officially, but there is okay. a fan patch that has a low, uh, English translation, and that's how the game had more of a second life. That's how I experienced it for the first time, is playing through there. And it is honestly a crime that this game never came out in English. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. It is so... Not just fun, but unique. And it kind of pushes the boundary of what games can be. Because it's not just something that 
I don't get the feeling that a bunch of dudes in suits sat down and went, what can we make that's going to help sell a billion copies? This is a passion project through and through. Yeah, I mean, what year did this come out? 1998. Yeah, it looks like a full 3D environments here. It looks like you. Yep. there's a town to explore. I see a guy in a rowboat. No, I mean, you're. it's right up my alley when you're saying Twin Peaks stuff. I love that, but... And it has the... Uh... The horror in this one is more existential than it is anything. Okay. There's not really like a whole giant monster that's going to pop out and try to eat you or chase you or anything like that. It's kind of the same way that like, um, are you familiar with like Thomas Ligotti at all? Oh, no, no. Okay. Well, he's a horror writer who, a great book called The Conspiracy Against the Human Race, talking about how existence is actually just a cruel joke. And the fact that we are made aware of our existence is a curse and not something that it's kind of along those lines. Have you ever uh, seen like True Detective? Yeah, that's giving me anxiety just thinking about it. Yep. So <laughs> have fun playing this game. I, and I want to digress here for a little bit because you did bring up a, a reference point here. And this isn't necessarily a retro game, although it plays like a retro game. But have you ever checked out Deadly Premonition? Yes. I have the Switch port on okay. my wish list here. Is that um, the director's? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because I've played both the um, I played the 360 version originally and did not last very long in that one because the controls were and camera were insane. But um, I do really like the PS3 director's cut. And I think that's what they brought to Switch as well. Yeah, I hear mixed things about the series. And uh, honestly, like when people say like, oh, I don't really like that game because it's a little janky. That's that to me, like, oh, now I want to play it because I kind of like that old retro jank a little bit. That's the point. The point exactly, is exactly, yeah, that it was made janky, and um, yeah, that the you know the very unrefined Xbox 360 version is something, but the story is so weird, and it plays honestly like a PS2 game at best at points. But yeah, it's just got that Twin Peaks weird, quirky characters, uh, except kind of taken even more to the extreme and uh, really cool town environments to explore just random jazz music playing all the time for no reason. It's a, it's a sight to behold. I think it'd be something you'd enjoy knowing that you really get into these retro games. Cause that's the biggest hurdle I think is how it plays, but uh, there's some weird stuff in that game. All right. I'll make a promise with you. I will play deadly premonition. If you play Miserna falls. Okay. I will definitely try it out. I'll get that one on PC and see if I can play it a little bit. But is that have uh, is that one you have to play with a mouse or does it have a controller support or anything? Do you know, I'm pretty sure. No, not pretty sure. It does have controller support. Yes. OK, cool. OK, so got us off track there. Does it, so that was the last PS1 game that you had you want to talk about? Yeah, um, we can okay. jump into PS2 if you want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. PS2 is when the floodgates really open and there is just a variety of franchises to choose from. I think I'd rather just kind of shotgun through a few of these and yeah. just kind of briefly talk about them. Yep. Obviously, we have the Resident Evil continues on to here, right? But we get some pretty cool Resident Evil spinoffs that don't get talked about a lot. My favorite being Resident Evil Outbreak. Okay, yeah. And the reason uh, why I like these... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to... For to clarify, was Outbreak the was that the multiplayer one or was that it the was it was the okay. online multiplayer one that uses the classic Resident Evil formula? 
I just, I wish something like this still existed, right? There's yeah. ways to get online again with Resident Evil Outbreak. But in terms of its uh, multiplayer experience, this was so ahead of its time. Like, um, we have a lot of uh, horror multiplayer games now, Dead by Daylight being a great example, right? Mm-hmm. But before then, uh, Resident Evil Outbreak, I, my favorite choice is that there's no voice chat. And this was a thing that could have been done through PS2 but was chosen not to as a way to kind of like hinder the players a little bit or not just voice chat. Sorry, but there's no way to like type with each other through that. Even though there was a keyboard for the PS2 and ways that you can get it to work, you had like a set selection of phrases that you could say to each other back and forth to communicate. And that was done as a choice to make the game a little bit harder to make it feel more like a crisis or something that you were trapped into. Yeah, that one, and you probably would have had to have the um, that giant like network adapter too for your PS2, right, to play online at all. Yes, but it was glorious, especially taking the PlayStation Two onto the internet. Yeah, no, I never. I don't think I ever. I'm trying to think if I ever played PS2 online, and I don't think I did. Now I played the original Xbox online a little bit, but the PS2 was much different than the original Xbox getting online on that one. Yeah, definitely a lot more hurdles to get through when going online back then as compared to today. But we also had Resident Evil Deadly Aim, which was a light gun shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played that one. I've played the um, I played some of the the light gun stuff on Wii for the Resident Evil games. But oh, yeah, like those the are Umbrella fun. Chronicles and Dark Side Chronicles, I think. But yeah, have not played. I did not play that one. Deadly Aim. It is a fever dream of a video game. <laughs> uh, a lot of videos do a great job covering it and i think you should definitely check those out if you've never played deadly aim especially since it's kind of hard to emulate since uh we haven't figured out how to make light gun games work yet but some of the more obscure playstation 2 titles uh a franchise that's kind of criminally underlooked but also accessible because you can actually purchase this game on the sony playstation storefront uh, is a series called Siren. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've played a little bit of Siren. I don't know which one, but I did play a Siren at one point. I have the uh, remaster of the very first one for PS4. I'm going to go through and play through all of them here pretty soon. I love how J-Horror influenced they are, right? And the... It has one of the coolest game mechanics I've ever seen where your main character has the ability to see through the eyes of the enemy. And you're able to use that as a tool to sneak past all the enemies that are there because you can see through their perspective and figure out where they are and how to sneak by them that way, right? Yeah. And there, there's never been an experience quite like thinking you're in a good hiding spot, crouching down, going through all the enemies that you think are nearby until all of a sudden you're going through the perspective of one of the enemies and you see yourself. So they're looking directly at you about to attack you. Yeah, that's got to be terrifying. I And so that was the first one was remastered on PS4, you said? Yes. Okay. Well, if you get a chance, definitely check out the one that's on PS4. Okay, yeah, that's easy to do. That's easy to check that one out. 
and actually buy it. Don't just emulate it, even though PS2 games can get played. on. Yeah, if it's available, I usually try to buy it. But well, I'm talking to the audience, not just you. you Oh, yeah, (laughs) I get you. And then um, uh, another franchise that started on the PS2 that's still going strong is Fatal Frame. Yeah, yeah. Which has a special place in my heart just because of how distinctly Japanese it is. And how extremely unique the gameplay is, because instead of just packing a pistol and trying to find bullets as you go along, you're armed with a camera and you just have to time it just right in order to prevent a ghost from attacking you right then and there. Yeah, now that game is a very tense experience and a very, very unnerving experience because you don't have anything to defend yourself, really, except, like you said, a well-timed shot of the camera. And it's so fun. It's um, so unique. I've played the first one. I really liked it. I really want to get my hands on the one that just came out for Switch and PS4. Yeah, I think there's there's been a couple that have come out recently. There was uh, Maiden of Blackwater, I want to say, which was ported recently. And then there was another one, Lunar Mask, maybe. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's the one that just came out. Yes, I believe. I believe so. But I played I haven't played the first one. I played the second one. Crimson Butterfly yes. on PS3 through like that, the PS1 classic stuff. So fun. Yeah, I agree. But those are very, very unnerving, intense games, I would say, to get through. But yeah, I haven't played any of the newer ones, but I am interested in those. I'm just glad that this franchise is still around and still solely focused on just doing its own thing. So hopefully all of the titles that we've talked about will have some sort of resurgence here so to make them more accessible and easily to purchase. Well, horror is bigger than ever, right? As if we want to talk about movies and horror games selling pretty well, too. So we can only hope that there's more of this stuff to come. We can only hope. I have a feeling that the uh, Clock Tower remaster by Limited Run is going to open up the floodgates for more of these retro titles to come out. I hope so. Because I'm really excited about that. That I saw that announcement. And I think I had emailed you before while we were going back yep. and forth trying to plan. And I was like, did you see that? Because that's exciting to me. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. And I think there's that we're starting to get with the indies using the PS1 style as opposed to like the, uh, you know, eight or 16 bit styles that we were seeing when we still see that for sure. We still see that for sure. Yeah, but there's definitely a ton of talented studios that are out there like puppet combo being the one that I think of the the most that made that style pretty popular. Yeah. And did you um I played a demo of this game but it was one that was kind of styled like a survival horror recently. I think it was called Tormented Souls. I've heard of it. I think I bought it on Steam and I haven't played it yet. Yeah, I played a um I played a demo of it and it's definitely a survival horror PS1 survival horror type game. I love so that. you'd probably dig that one. I, I only played maybe half hour of a demo of it and I put it on my wish list and I don't think I've got it yet, but I have this uh, Resident Evil clone. I believe it's called them and us. And it, it is a passion project for sure. It plays exactly like a old school Resident Evil game, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was made by college students as like their first project. Because it's definitely missing a lot of polish. Yeah, I get that. I can see that. But, you know, like a cheap ass little game that's pretty obscure that also is a lot of fun. I I don't mind. Yeah. 
Uh, but we took a little bit of a, a diversion. Um, we were talking Fatal Frame. What else do you want to talk about with PS2 Horror? Those are my favorite franchises, really, when it comes to PS2 games. I like to think of the PlayStation 1 as the last retro console. Tying it back a little bit to what we were just talking about with those indie games, right? Yeah. We, If you're following indie games, the trend was to have your own 8 or 16-bit game, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing a lot of developers do the low-poly 3D look. Whereas PS2 games, and especially like PS3 and onward, there's nothing that makes them so unique to the time in terms of style and presentation. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're getting photorealistic at that point. Exactly. You might have some blocky hands or something, but yeah, I mean, go back and play. People will talk about Resident Evil 4 not playing well. I played that PS2 version not too long ago. plays fine. It's I still played the GameCube up. version on the Wii or I played. Yeah, the version on the Wii. It plays fine. You can go back and play those games. And I think that's when you get to the PS1, there's that hurdle of how do I play this game? Because it's very different than what we're playing today. So I, I'm I'm with you. I get what you're saying. But yeah, that's why I think like the PS1 not only had like such a huge explosion of horror titles, but they were so unique to the time that had that very distinct visual style. Whereas once we get to PS2, as you said, it's more photorealistic, more trying to go for realism. I don't know how developers would be able to try to mimic that style. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah. what even is there to mimic? Yeah. It, like I said, the only thing I'm thinking of is like God of War and climbing a mountain with very blocky hands. And that's, yeah. but other than that, it's like very much just a le- lower res version of what we have today. Mm hmm. That's why it's so easy to port those games. And we've seen a lot of PS2 onward ported up and remastered and everything. We don't see as many of the PS1 because it's kind of harder to do that. Looking through my list here, and I just saw one here that I'm going to get yelled at if I don't bring it up. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Rule of Rose from 2016. Have you heard of this one? I haven't played it. No. It's one of those games like right now it's getting it's really sought after. It is, uh, yes. especially in UK version because of the controversy that came out around with this game and it essentially getting banned. In the UK? Mm hmm. Oh, imagine that something getting banned in the UK. I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm reading it right here. It was part of the video game nasties list. Just, just kidding. That's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I so. Yeah, I've heard of Roll Rose, don't know a ton about it, but I know people talk about it and have recently been talking about it, like you were saying. Yeah, it's gotten pretty popular through word of mouth online. It is a, I don't want to say standard survival horror, but it definitely is a what you would think of when you think of survival horror kind of game. Starts off in an orphanage and tells a very twisted story. And is that where we get to kind of the taboo i'm guessing it would have to go some kind of taboo places in its story there's a line and the game goes so far past the line that you can't even see the line anymore right okay it is honestly (laughs) shocking how it dared to even do this 
especially like 2006 when I remember every single boomer trying to say that video games are going to cause mass violence and we should ban them entirely. Yeah. Just to kind of go over a little bit of what it touches on is uh, child abuse, childhood, sexuality, and cruelty and that kind of shit. It is uh, taboo, but it's done in good taste. It's not done as like just pure shock value. So it's not exploitation. It's more of like they want to tell this story. That's something that people are pretty touchy about and probably don't want (laughs) them telling stories. Yeah. And this is probably one. Well, you said it was banned in the UK, but I feel like if people would have, if this would have been more recognizable and well-known at the time, people would have had a field day with it, probably. Probably, yeah. It's done in a pretty tasteful way. Like, I remember Silent Hill 2 does touch upon the themes of, like, sexual violence, right? Yes, yeah. This game doesn't touch upon the themes. It is the themes. But it does so in a way that's, like, it's done in a mature way, where it's trying to say something. It's not just there for, like, the... Oh, shocking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is this something you would, I know you said you'd get yelled at if you didn't mention, is this a game that you enjoy um, or like playing? Or is it something that you just needed to be brought up? Oh my God. Way to put me on the spot. Now I have to, (laughs) the truth now, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. I'm only like 15 minutes in rule of Rose. I'm sorry, guys. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) I know I'm not a real horror gamer. It's fine. It's one of those things where I got started on it. I uh, got through my playthrough and went, this is great. And then I put it down and then I blinked and then it was four years later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely going to go through and play it again. It's just, it's one of those things that's like a, uh, such a cult classic that it needs to be brought up when it comes to talking about PlayStation two horror games. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely heard of it. I haven't played it either though. So you're at least not alone on here, but I'm so yeah, it seems like you enjoyed it at least at first, though. So, oh, yeah, from what I've played, it's in- incredibly good. I wanted to jump to something really quick because I don't know how much I wanted your opinion on on this is whether and I don't know if you're familiar um, whether this is horror or not. But the and I'm looking this at this now and it looks like these are actually the sequel series to that uh, uh, Kudelka game you were talking about the Shadow Hearts. I have not played any of those. So I looked up, I think I, of the first one I had watched like an hour of someone playing it or something. And I actually bought these for a decent price. I've got the first two and one doesn't have a case, but I think I only paid like 60 bucks between them. And those go pretty high now. So I'm, I want to play them, but I didn't, I don't know how much of horror games they are. But like I said, it looks like they're sequels to the, the game you were talking about earlier, the, uh, Kadelka or whatever, however that's pronounced. I'm looking this up right now and it looks like it. Yeah, you're spot on about it being a uh, like a sequel series. Again, I don't know how much those get into the horror or anything, but I I did see enough that I liked from the gameplay video to want to play it. I just haven't got to those yet. They're just sitting on my shelf here. Well, play them with the lights off. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so if, yeah, we made it through your list. Is there anything else you want to say about um, retro horror gaming in general? Um, Maybe if someone's getting into it and they haven't really, you know, dabbled in a whole lot. I would say there is a whole world just waiting for you to discover. Half the fun of being into retro gaming as a hobby is finding that next hidden gem 
and just knowing that your new favorite game is out there and you haven't found it yet. Yeah, and I know this is, I focus on horror a lot on this podcast. I know uh, Joseph loves the horror aspect of it, but there's, I really like going back and finding weird JRPGs that were on PS1 and playing some of those. So there's just so many genres and stuff that you can dig into. And I feel like a lot of stuff that just hasn't been completely tapped into yet. Like tapped into hasn't, or was overlooked when it first came out and hasn't found its audience yet, even though it's on hardware, that's like 20 close to 30 years old at this point. Yeah. I always think back to something that I remember. I always get that urge to go back because I don't know if you've ever played a game as you were, you know, in your teenage years or as a kid or anything, and then try to remember what it was and have a memory of it and want to go back and play it. But I've got one of those specifically with a game. It was a breath of fire game called dragon quarter. Oh, hell yeah. And I, this was a game where I saw a video of it online I asked my grandparents to get it for me for Christmas and I got it and played it. And I was not, you know, I had never played a breath of fire game and I, <laughs> I was not, uh, not prepared for what came next, but, um, yeah, that was a pretty cool game. And I always, I think about that every once in a while. I'm like, I should really go find that and try to play it, but I don't know how accessible or anything it is anymore, but what, where there's a will, there's a way to emulate yeah. it. But, uh, that's for neither here nor there. Yep. <laughs> well, Joseph, I've had a lot of fun talking horror with you. You're very knowledgeable on horror gaming in general, it seems like. So thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. We could definitely do this again sometime because even though we did spend quite a bunch of time talking about some great titles, I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface. Yeah, and there's definitely more specific things. So I would love to have you back on if there's any um, specific games you want to deep dive into or any other games that we missed or kind of areas that we missed. Be happy to have you back on. But uh, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? I know we talked about your podcast a little bit, but. Yeah, I am on. Uh, I do the Spooky Schools. Uh, I do the Spooky School podcast. I promise I know how to talk. And uh, you can find that on YouTube or any of your favorite podcasting uh, platforms. Uh, other than that, my handle on everything is hashtag spooky. Um, uh, you will find me on YouTube under hashtag spooky, where I do video essays on every single subgenre of horror. I just released a video about cosmic horror, which is my favorite one. So check that out. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe in all those videos. The next one's going to be folk horror, which is going to be great. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I'm just getting ready to start um, a folk horror series for my October stuff. All right. Well, I'll race you. OK, we are, we'll see which we one we get done first. <laughs> no, I'm going to check that out. I didn't realize you had a YouTube. You know, I didn't know much about your social presence here, so I'm going to um, check out your YouTube videos as well. Please do. I will definitely make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Where, where can people find you, Trey? Yeah, <laughs> and I'll have um, all of Joseph's links in the, the show notes here. But yeah, you know, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Screaming Ages or the podcast anyway. Have a Facebook group over there, Screaming Through the Ages. 
you want to reach out to the podcast, you can send an email to screaming through the ages at yahoo.com. And yeah, this has been really fun getting to talk games here, and I'm sure there'll be more coming up in these October episodes, but I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, thank Joseph again. And, but until next time, keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed for your next dose of screaming through the ages.